welcome back to the Eyes Up Life podcast with your host, Ben Granis. That is me. Eyes Up started as a 7,000-mile bike ride around the United States that I did solo. Yep, just me. Around the United States to raise awareness for distracted driving and hopefully saving lives along the way. Immediately after finishing the ride up in September of last year, I set out on a road trip to raise awareness still for distracted driving, but this time by interviewing 21 athletes who are sponsored by Maxxis Tires. Maxxis was so on board with this topic that they set me up and connected me to a bunch of their athletes and affiliates ranging from sports broadcasters all the way up to professional motocross racers and everything in between, everyone in between. And this week, this episode, we have Blake Shipman joining us. Blake has been in the video content creation space since he was 13. Blake has been creating videos since before he could drive and has seen the progression uh, and rise of social media, of YouTube, of all these platforms that are so popular now and how and what it takes to be successful on these platforms. But what I found most profound is how much Blake actually loves his job. I don't think I've talked to anyone who loves what they do as much as Blake. Blake does not care. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop talking because you hear all of this in the conversation and I don't want to spoil it, but I just get fired up with some of these people and how passionate they are about what they do because it's so cool and so refreshing when someone is just focused on what they love and not the product of being successful. I hope that makes sense. Anyways, enjoy this conversation with Blake that I had on a beautiful sunny day in Norman, Oklahoma. And I'll talk to you at the end. Stick around. My name is Blake Shipman. I do action sports video production, and I am from Oklahoma. Uh, what part of Oklahoma, Blake? So I have lived in Oklahoma City for 30 years of my life. Uh, the last four have been in Cashin, Oklahoma, for six years, I guess. And where, uh, uh, sorry, um, what, what do you do? What's your, what's your life looking like day so to day? So I like to work with cameras and do production work. Um, I've done it since I was a kid, about 12 years, 12 years old, and I like to ride off-road, so I mix those two together, and, and now I film off-road stuff when I get a chance. Sweet. Um, so the off-road world, tell me a little bit about I've learned a bit in the last week about yeah. the world. but So for me, it mostly consists of um, dirt, rocks, sand, mud, even water. I mean, I've done uh, motor, uh, motorsports in the water world. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the elements, horsepower, like I said earlier, if it can, if it has to deal with horsepower and leaves the ground and it's dirty, I'm into it. Do you, are you mostly recording or do you also like to participate in the sports? I, I love to participate in the, in, in the recreational portion of it, but I'm not lining up on the gate to race or anything. I'm not chasing down points or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I like to be involved in it as far as like recreationally. But my, the professional side is the, the content production of it. How did you, like growing up, how did you, when it was your first exposure to, to this world? So I remember being a kid and our neighbor 
brought over this video called Crusty Demons of Dirt. And I was probably, I'm, I was younger than, I was right under 10 years old. And so Crusty Demons of Dirt is um, a dirt bike DVD that featured a lot of, a lot of it was like chaos and pissed off your parents for watching it sort of thing. Like it didn't, it, it wasn't giving a great message to the kids that were watching it. Like me, I didn't get too uh, swayed by it, but I fell in love with the production side of it. I thought, I mean, just watching the action and the music mixed with it, I was like, I have to learn how to do that, that very thing. And so me and my buddies would ride bicycles and local ditches and things. And uh, we would film each other doing that. Put it in this At this time, we were using tape. So we would use a, a VCR adapter, plug it into my dad's VCR, turn on the stereo, and play our favorite music. And sometimes it would sync up with the, with the video. No editing, no nothing. And when I figured out how to edit, I mean, it just took off. So you started video production early on. Yeah. Did you go to school for it? What was did you like? How did you get to where you are now as a professional? Just consistency and practice. Like I'm obsessed, still obsessed. I'm as obsessed with it now as I was at day one, and uh, just that. I didn't go to school for it. When I was in school, I didn't do that well because I was just too focused on this, and just I, I knew I was going to do that. I wasn't going to go to college. Um, and I was just trying to gain the experience. I mean, I do weekend trips to Atlanta, Georgia, and this is fresh out of high school. So, you know, on the weekend trips with the family, I would pull the camera out and get my practice in then, and then go to school. And then, you know, any project at school that had to do with any sort of presentation, I was filming it. I mean, I got great, good grades on those. But, um, yeah, I mean, if it was video, I was in. Uh, not, no, not necessarily pictures, but just video production. That's, that's just something about recording something out of thin air and then having it and then being able to manipulate it and tell a story from my perspective no one else is just mine and I know that sounds arrogant and egotistical but it's true I just want to tell my version of what I saw that day and so I still do that to this very day you remember the first uh thing like product that you got paid for yes I didn't get paid for it but I remember the first thing someone told me they were going to pay me for uh so I'll tell you the first thing I got paid for and I'll tell you the first thing I said you I was told you <laughs> So this guy sent me, uh, there was this pit bike video company that uh, swapped owners. Turns out the guy was a total scoundrel, I won't name drop. But the first two videos were awesome. I thought I was in for an awesome payday, cool production. He sends me the tapes, it's garbage. From the get-go, I knew this was going to be terrible. So I spent three months doing it, about a $5,000 budget. The guy squelches on me, changes numbers, blah, blah, blah. I get a hold of him, he's like, you're taking food out of my kids' mouths for wanting to get paid for something I told you I'd pay for. Whatever. First introduction into video. Didn't didn't phase me. And I think my first paying thing was for uh, uh, a sand car builder out of Great Bend, Kansas, named Phil Jackson, who builds custom sand built custom sand cars, and he wanted to make a, a DVD of his uh, you know cars that he'd built for sand riding and dune riding. And so I think that might have been my my first payday back in. 08, 07, so for film. Yeah. Cool, so in the last 15 years, how has your career progressed? I can't complain, honestly, man. Like, um, sometimes, you know, the social media game can be frustrating, but, like, I've gotten to do exactly what I wanted to, how I wanted, when I wanted. I've worked with about every writer that I can imagine working with. Um, I can count on my hand the states I haven't been to, and, yeah, it's been cool, man, like, at work, I work an eight to five now, and 
a normal office job. And so some of my, some of my new friends will talk about, hey, I'm going here, I'm going there. And I'm like, man, I remember when I was there. Almost can't tell stories because it feels like I'm lying. Like they're not going to believe this story, but it really happened, you know. I'm only 34, but I really, I've gotten to live a pretty wild life at traveling and filming and chasing down the action and just, it's led me to some pretty cool spots and places like Chris at Maxis and stuff and you're here now and Dakota I met filming Moto and yeah, so Moto's, uh, riding and filming off-roads lent me to meet some of the coolest people I know till this day. You mentioned social media's been frustrating. Can you tell me just about yeah. social media, why it's frustrating and <clears throat> generally? Yeah, so I heard someone say something really, uh, use, it, was, it was like, wow, that really makes sense. So you remember in the beginning of like YouTube, it was just for nobodies like us to get on there and express ourselves and what we'd made without a budget. Well, now everyone with a budget came in and brought their budget with them. So people like us who have none and just have, you know, we still have content we want to promote, gets lost in the abyss that is the internet now. And more often than not, polarizing contents, um, you know, promote, you know, uh, looked positively on. And if you're polarizing and you're offensive, then that gets more attention than if you're just genuinely trying to put together cool stuff. I mean, I've, I have no problem saying that I, I will do this with nobody watching. If I have to make a VHS every ride weekend where seven of my best buddies get around and have a beer and we watch around a campfire, I'm totally happy with it. The thing that sucks is there's so many different articles that suggest that what, what you should be doing will work or here's these things that could work and none of it works. You ever been to an arcade where they have the coin machine, it's like tokens and tickets, and you, they got the spinning wheel, and there's a coin size slot, a coin size slot that you gotta roll the coin into, and this spinning wheel, and you gotta make it. That's how you go viral. That's it, it's just this tiny little coin size slot that the coin's only so, you just get this, my, my analogy's terrible, but that's how I feel, that's no. really how you go viral. There's no time, there's no, there's no way, you know, the Mr. Beast of the world got lucky. That's what I believe. There is no rhyme or reason. You simply just get lucky. You got to be prepared. I think that's when, you know, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And so you got to have your cards in a line. But when that time happens, I'm not saying that guys like Mr. Beast aren't talented. I'm just saying that it isn't always talent that makes you well known in the social media game. A lot of it can just be luck. So that's why it's frustrating because I don't like to, I don't like living on luck. I don't like the, idea of destiny or fate like I'm in charge of this so social media is just one more exaggeration of that and I can't stand it you mentioned budgets too I think I mean I I almost don't even hear about viral videos anymore mm -hmm. because it seems like there aren't really any uh, maybe on TikTok there are but uh, when every minute when every video gets pushed out by YouTube so it's guaranteed to get five six seven million views how do you stand out you just handed everyone a trophy I mean I sound like an old boomer but really that is when is some when is someone exceptional when everyone's exceptional right and but it's not everyone it's like this i guarantee you it's not everyone but that's what we're being shown on youtube right if you went to the most popular video right now nine out of ten of them would be huge budgeted movie trailers music videos or the odd influencer that we've already been hearing about jake paul's logan paul's whatever they've already got they're already there why do we need to keep seeing them they should have their own pl platform with where they are is where people know to go to YouTube and stuff. I sound real bitter, but it really should be back to its roots where creators like me and you will have a chance to prosper and show our stuff off because now there's no more of that. That is gone from us, from the people who don't 
I'll be honest with you. If I had a budget, I don't want to put it into the internet, into the YouTube stuff. It's that's for that's for me for fun and to be able to make a little bit of a living for myself. I'm not trying to, you know, be rich, but it just is this over just algorithm. I mean, I don't the over analyzed and over. It's just too much. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. But it just isn't. Does that make sense? I'm doing a terrible right, job. Right. No, myself. it's it seems like there's some wall that yeah. a certain percentage of the population has access to. Yeah. And then all the people who are trying just can't. I mean, I think it's like a it's kind of representative of the population at large. You know, sure. like the the one percent are going always to stay successful. There. And no matter how hard someone who you know, I mean, there's some people who start from the, the bottom and then yeah. make it. But you know, a lot of the people who are working harder yeah. than the people higher up are never going to get there because of right. because of what it's hard to explain what it is yeah and you mentioned the algorithm but um uh, so i'm curious i think you know youtube and instagram i think are the most known for their algorithmic use and for exposure Chaos. tell me about tell me about uh, instagram and your your use of it more often than not, I think um, same thing. It's just the spinning wheel of, of of chance that maybe you get lucky that your stuff will go viral. I mean, I can literally on YouTube or Instagram tag. If if we finish this video, I'll tag mechanic, dirt bike mechanic, dirt bike garage, suspension work, moto, MX, blah 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 blah. Whoops. <laughs> and I guarantee you, it will not come up if you tag those exact tags. It will not show you the video that I just used those tags verbatim. I couldn't tell you why. Could right. you? I mean, no one can. No. If you type that into YouTube or Google, they'd be like, well, you should spend more time on the app. Then you'll get better. Then you'll start to get. That's the thing is the answer is always like, well, you need to spend more time on this. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, that is the end goal for you guys is for me to spend more time on this because you it's obviously more ad dollars are collected and you can make more money by more eyes, all, blah, blah, blah. But um, when am I going to live life? When am I going to? be able to experience the life that makes me want to film that action and be creative. So it's like if I charge a day rate of $750 to shoot 4k video without having to edit, I just made $750 for that day without having to edit, without having to do anything. Now these creators and influencers will work for that day rate for a month at a time and not even realize it. They work from the time they wake up with creating, writing, shooting and then they edit till they go to sleep and then if they're not doing that they're thinking of the next idea so they're really spending a lot of time a lot of overhead and not making much money but they get a lot of views so it seems like there's a payoff does that make sense yeah. i would rather nobody know who i am and me make some money and go and do exactly what i want to without having to register online and check my stuff and blah 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 and check the likes i don't i really don't want to do that it's just where we're headed so i have to adapt and you know do it well, so what is it like for you having to navigate that the way that the the road is turning towards needing to feed into the those worlds? I think I have about 12% of it figured out, which is more than I think most do. I think if I can make something funny and it's just like I said before, the right timing, for some reason, something humorous ends up being more of a of a eye catcher than something from the heart. At least for me, if I spend three weeks on a project and it's, I mean, it couldn't be any more dialed. I'm lucky to see a thousand views with 30,000 subscribers. If I 
spent five minutes on some stupid little idea, it could go viral. I've had that happen. Um, it just is a drop of the drop in the bucket. I mean, so for your answer, like I, I to navigate it, I'm just gonna honestly, I, I'll do what I did before. Before I got, I mean, I, I hate this. Before I had my followers or subscribers or whatever, I'll just keep doing what I did before. So what got me there has not changed. What's changed is the settings that allow the people that want to see me to see me. They're not getting the memo. That is, at the end of the day, what the problem is. Right. I think for most people that is what the case is. Right. Yeah. Um, can you... Uh, so w what's what's the, the balance currently... Uh, your use of social media for work versus personal like how much time are you spending on it's a lot all all day man i spend all day on social media i'm surprised i'm not nuttier in the head honestly it's terrible for your well-being and your mental health but also i don't envy many people i there's two types of people on social media there's scrollers and there's posters i do not scroll i don't give a baker's f what is going on out there short of it being something directly affiliated with me whether it be a ride spot i'm going to ride that weekend but i can't just get on there and scroll everyone else in my life can just scroll so it's hard for me to imagine people doing that because i don't do it and why is that why don't you my attention spans about this long i mean it's short so when people are like people's attention spans short i'm like you have no idea mine's short and so for me to for something to catch my attention and me not understand how it doesn't catches any catches any catch anyone else's attention it's kind of beyond me. You know, I, I try to think pretty objectively and I'll show groups of people the same thing and I'll gauge their response. And I'm like, okay, general response is this. I'll tweak it, change it, whatever. You can do so much, but at the end of the day, if you enjoy it, do it. If you don't, it's not going to make you rich. It can make you well-known, but that anymore doesn't really make you any money. You right. Know? So you said you spend a lot of time on social media, but you're not a scroller. So what, what's consuming all the time? Posting. I mean, literally, I have to manage seven accounts per day. On the weekends, I help with other people's stuff. Um, in between that, I'm either writing out an idea that I have to shoot in-house or on location. Um, man, you should see my calendar at my house. I have a wall that's this big, I mean, 72 inches long, and I have to, I just, I, I will lose track. You know what I mean? It's not that so much is going on, but you have to, you have to use like eight parts of your brain when you do this stuff. When it's shooting, you're going to my, is my light good? Is this cloud moving? Is my shutter good? Is my audio good? What's that noise? What's this? Is my this? Is my focus? Is my stance good? Am I moving? Am I shaking? So at the end of it, you're like, my brain's fried. Well, it's the same with social media. Did I post on this? Did I get this? Does this tag work? Am I making sure that the duration's right? Am I even on the right page? Um, is what I've been posting working? And more often than not, you have to you have to really, you just have to stay consistent. I know that I hate that answer when I read it from YouTube, but really, it, whether, whether consistency is posting every day or keeping your work consistent, you know, you don't want to dive in quality. But yeah, it's, um, a lot of it is, you know, you, you, you know what Canva, I mean, I love Canva. Yeah. So that design work, um, editing is a huge process, man. Editing is a lot of a time eater. I bet I will start, okay, so for a minute long video, I bet it'll take me about two hours to edit one minute of what I would consider to be final cut, ready to go, logos, music, levels, color, bam, go. Two hours, one minute. So, you know, do the math when you're doing a five minute piece. 
or an hour long. I've done documentaries for free by myself just because I enjoy making them that much. Um, and I mean, it's linked me up with guys like these, like Dakota. Uh, I can go in almost every shop here and know someone there because they we all go right to the same areas. Um, you know what I love about this sport is, and the industry is that if if you wanted to go play ball with, um, what's a famous basketball player, right? LeBron. LeBron. Okay. If you wanted to go play basketball with LeBron, you're never gonna get you. You. Where would you even go to find out where he's practicing? But if you wanted to go practice with like the Trey Canards or the Ryan Dungies or the Jet Lawrences, you could show up to a local track in that state and. During the week and season, nine times out of ten, you're going to find them right there. So you could be on a track or a trail or something and then brush bars with a guy you've looked up with to your entire life. That's why I love action sports. That goes with skating at the skate park, BMX at the trails or park, moto, trails, dunes, whatever. You will end up rubbing shoulders with someone you've looked up to or seen or considered to be a notable person, public figure, whatever. And you just don't get that in any other sport. They're almost by design to, at every moment, to get as far away from their fans as possible. But in moto, specifically, they're in they're it. Right I mean, they're yeah. right there. They're right there. And honestly, I think it builds respect. If you, if you don't see super fans just lunging at these guys. They think it's a, they think like no one, I mean, in, in a nutshell, I bet people in the moto industry are like, man, these guys are just not idolized. Like, well, no, I think it's because the fans respect them to a much better degree than, than the people who are like, no, keep them away, keep them away. Like, well, that creates a whole different psychological reaction. Like, oh, my gosh, prestige. But if you're just out of the back of your truck chilling at the track and you're somebody, but you don't pretend like it any more than the next guy. Right. Do you play into it or not, right? Yeah, you don't right. play into it. Right. I love that about this sport and this yeah. industry. So you do a lot of traveling for work. You, I mean, you said you've been to basically every state. Yeah. Um, and I imagine a fair bit of it is involves a car. So yeah. um, talk to me about distractions in the car. Are, There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of distractions. You're not supposed to text and drive, but we'll give you a 12-inch touchscreen in your dash. So... Yeah, I mean, what do you... What do you th I mean, I, it doesn't seem like cars are becoming more conducive of distraction free driving it no, seems to be the opposite more. yeah much more um yeah i agree with you i think uh yeah I, I think that um texting and driving is bad and i am guilty of it to some degree um you know it is just yeah the touch screen i just don't get it it's like it doesn't it's so hard to even even if you are looking at it to yeah, adjust you your air conditioner you can't not what? to mention if you buy it like so my girlfriend bought this new vehicle and, I mean, she's learning it. Regardless if she admits it or not, everyone's learning it. So, you know, driving down the road in your new car, you're like, uh, uh, okay, uh, what's it saying? Like, right. you really should have that stuff dialed. Um, but, yeah, I, I see biking is a huge thing here. Um, it's big everywhere, you know. Clearly, I'm not into it. I don't have the chassis for it. But uh, <laughs> the um, it's big here. And, yeah, I can understand why you would want to raise awareness about people pulling their head out and keeping an eye out i rode so this kind of the same thing you know i rode this is no lie as much as i've spent in this world i've never ridden a street bike on the road for that exact reason i do not trust the everyday driver i drive a tundra and they think i'm on a, a 10 speed bicycle sometimes when i'm on in it and it's a it pulled a space shuttle it's big and um i rode my buddy's street bike down my street a mile and rode it the same mile back and i was like i'm good 
I'm all right. And I don't have a busy road, but it's 55, and they go 70, and I just don't feel comfortable on it. So I couldn't imagine how you guys feel on bikes, and just, yeah, that's crazy. I, and I, yeah, it's awesome you're raising awareness. What do you think it's going to take for people like you, the average American who is uh, victim to the various distractions in the car and increasingly so, you know, notifications on the phone, that's one thing, and then the screen in your car. How, how do we get through to people that those decisions to be on your phone or just to take your eyes off the road for even a couple seconds could have deadly consequences? You name your area of life just practicing safety at the end of the day, whether you're a cop, firefighter, teacher, mechanic, whatever, practicing safety. Shop teachers practice safety. Why shouldn't drivers? I see people all the time that need to retake their test. I mean, I think that should be a thing. I would gladly take my test again, but I, I think that I shouldn't have to because I, I don't have a bunch of tickets. I don't have any you know, close calls on my record. I think if you get that po to that point, you need to be going back to the DMV and waiting just like all the other 15, 16-year-olds learning to drive because you're just about as good as they are. Some of them are better. My nephew's eight, nine years old. He can drive a full-size vehicle better than most people on the road nowadays. It's just crazy. I think people should drive off-road for the first half year, half uh, of their life. Just to get the mechanics down. Find out what not to do at full speed. Right. Don't turn that tight. Don't, don't, maybe don't lift when you're in trouble. Maybe get out of, get away from the guy that looks like he's swerving. Don't get behind him. Don't try to avoid him because what's, what happens when he swerves into that guy? You're behind him. This is a shop, people. <laughs> this is a, it's a real, it's a real life scenario. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, We'll wait for a second. Yeah. I'll bet that battery's dead. <laughs> probably it's all right. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, just practicing safety. I think that the whole retesting of the driver's license in the course. I think that's a great idea. I think after you get to about 55, you should have to retake it. And if before that you have a bunch of uh, stuff on your record, you should retake it before that. So maybe there's something to that. Did yeah. I just fix this whole issue? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I think there's plenty of good drivers out there who are still part of the, the issue of distracted driving. Yeah. Like you mentioned that you even use your phone sometimes yeah, in the car. I do. And... I'm curious if you've ever heard of the do not disturb while driving feature on your phone. Yeah. And do you use it? I did. Yeah, I used to. Um, I, I don't know why I haven't. I should, honestly. I'll be honest with you. I don't use my phone that often when I'm on the road. So it doesn't come to mind that I need to put the do not disturb on. Um, I'm pretty good about ignoring it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Are you willing to put it on, turn it on oh, today? For sure. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I love um, for the obviously safety aspect, but selfishly so I can listen to music without, right. you know, just, I right. mean, it's a byproduct of the safety that comes with that. But I'll be honest with you, I don't want any other, just, I don't need to be distracted at all. I, I, I like to efficiently get where I'm going. I'll put it that way. So right. I don't need any other distractions. All right. So Blake, two things. Will you take out your phone right now and turn it on? Let's and it. second, I want to look at our screen times together okay. and talk about that piece. Okay. Awesome.
So I'm going to turn my do not disturb on when I drive. Yeah. There's a, do you know how to get to it? Yep. There's a, a feature to, uh, so it goes on automatically. And there's a neat, you probably know this, but there's the neat thing where it can text people to let them know that oh, you're Oh, yeah, say driving. I'm driving, yeah. Okay, so screen time. <laughs> so you got the, the driving yep. thing good? Yep. Okay, so screen time, what are we, what are we looking at? <clears throat> so my screen time was down 10% last week for an average of five hours and eight minutes a day. Okay. Mine, I, it's a, I think it's skewed. I, it's almost nine hours. I've been driving every day. So Waze is for the week, He's, 34 okay. hours okay. last week. Okay. But even taking that out of it, what uh, I'm curious what your number one app is. My second after Waze is Instagram, which is four hours and 22 minutes. So that's, that's four, almost 40 minutes a day, yeah. which is, that's a lot. Yeah. And what, how about you? Instagram, 17 minutes. That's pretty good. Pretty good. That's that's your I'm number one I'm app. I'm not a scroller. I get on post. I get out. That's your number one app. Number one. What's number two? Google. Google. You must have a good, like a pretty uh, diversified portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So so Blake, there's a statistic or a study that's happened that says that over the course of their lifetime, the average American will spend five hour or sorry five years of their life on social media. And the numbers to break that down, you'd think that'd be like hours and hours every day, right? It's only, it's this, YouTube, 40 minutes a day, Facebook, 35 minutes a day, Instagram, 15 minutes a day. And that's it. If you do that every day, that's five years. I'm probably five years, six years what, shaved off. When you hear that, is that surprising? How do you? It's not very surprising. I figured it'd be more, honestly. Really? Yeah. Honestly, I thought it'd be more. Um, but I also... I don't think I don't think of it as taboo as a lot of people do. I don't think that, you know, when the TV came out, everyone was like the dummy box. But mm. people got a lot of their news and information that you know, rural areas. I'm a definite proponent proponent of someone having information at their at their fingertips, especially since I I went out with I went without Wi-Fi until the last two years. So it is important to me to have that instant access to the world information. Um, especially in freelance, you know, when the calls come, I got to be able to take them. I don't mean that when I'm driving, but you know, I, I need to be able to have this device with me when someone wants to pay me to do a job that I've worked so hard to get to this position for, that I don't piss it away because I, I need to put my phone down at inside or, you know, I, I can't be on it because of screen time statistics or something when really, um, I mean, imagine if, the, imagine if we had notifications for everything we do about how often we do it. Imagine, this is a terrible joke, imagine if alcoholics got a notification on their phones like, man, you've been drinking a lot this week. you think they'd tone it down, wouldn't you? It goes with everything. Hey, you've done, uh, you spent too much time away from your family this week. Get back to it. Hey, you've been spent, uh, the last 10 years of your Saturdays have all spent avoiding your wife. You know, I mean, if life had notifications for what you're doing wrong, we'd probably be in a lot better shape. We just only get this because it's screen time. Which right. I also have a kind of a weird thing. You know how the, I'm on a tangent here, but no, Truth. So that's the whole point. Truth <laughs> and the tobacco company, I'm pretty sure I'm about 85% sure it's owned by the same people. So when one person's selling you cigarettes, the same company's putting out ads about how you shouldn't do it. So the company that makes the problems saying, well, I mean, we do this to, you know, we put a notification on there. It's like, it's like a, a visible band-aid. Yeah. That doing. Yeah. Um, it's because, see here, we're trying. Yeah, we're making it better, but at the same time, Everything's still, people are still addicted. And yeah. I think 
I am. I, I am addicted to my phone and I'm addicted to social media. But because the, the thing is, the, my goal here is never to tell people to put their phone away or like yeah. feel horrible about their phone use. Yeah. People like you, you're you're obviously aware of your phone use. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, but yet they still do it. And that's yeah. like why the Band-Aid's not actually right. fixing the problem. Right. And sometimes it's not a problem. Like people who are really aware, you know, you're using Instagram as a tool. You're only posting on it. But it's still like, it's affecting a lot of people who aren't, who yeah. don't have that awareness. Yeah. So the, the goal is for people to have awareness so that they can maintain a healthy balance. I think too, this isn't my point, and, yeah. but I think that people don't look at very much objectively. You know, they look at it like it's a part of them. They don't look at it like they're not a part of it. Does that make sense? I think so. So, so like, my, I have someone I know who always compares their life to what they see if someone's got a quote-unquote better life. Like I, on, on social media somewhere? Uh, in life and social oh, media. Yeah. Like, won't admit this, but got off social media because it's probably one of the reasons they didn't like the feeling of being envious of other people because that's really, it's a it's a pissing contest. It's really like, look how great I am. and That's what keeps people going back to it. Yeah. Too. I will argue not me because, honest to God. I, I'm talking yeah, about yeah, average. You're right. I don't, you're think, right. I don't think you're the average You're right. Consumer. And I hope, I hope that there are more people out there like me, but... I, I definitely think that being addicted to social media depends on what aspect you are. I mean, my friends and family, my dad will scroll for days. Just scroll, scroll, scroll. I can't. I don't find people to be that interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, it's just a matter of how you're, if you're feeding into it or yeah. not. I'm more into myself. I like watching what I make. I like thinking what I think, and I like doing what I want to do. I know that's super selfish and arrogant. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people are interested in their self, and they're trying to better be appear or be better than people. For sure. But you're you're kind of on the other side. I get where I am in right. life. I understand where I am. You know, uh, but yeah, I, I think that if. If you're going to be addicted to it, be addicted to it like I am. Be addicted to being a proponent of quality content. I think my stuff is quality. It might be a little shitty sometimes, but <laughs> and that might be on purpose too. But um, not everything's going to be great. Not everything's going to be viral. And if you enjoy it, you. I often get a, how can I be a YouTuber? I'm like, will you like filming? They're like, no. I'm like, what's the point? Do you want to be a fitness instructor? Yeah. Do you like working out? No. Why? Would you want to be a fitness instructor? It's the same thing. I got into this because I love filming. I love creating stuff. I love editing and putting music, and I, I like how it makes me feel. I'm my audience I'm trying to please, and then I'll put it out there for 100 people to watch. It's, let's be honest, it's how many people are seeing it. But um, that goes through YouTube, Instagram, whatever. It varies. You know, Sometimes it'll get thousands. Sometimes, most of the time it doesn't. But, yeah, this is really, at the end of the day, if it's not a product shot, and this is a video or a vlog where it's my weekend and it's music that you might not have used. It wasn't for you. That was for me and the seven people that don't have the ability to get that file on their phone. They can go and watch that and relive that trip. I do that myself. Sometimes at night or on the weekends, we'll get the family together. We'll just scroll. Hey, remember that Thanksgiving trip to the lake we took and I filmed a 30-minute video? We'll just sit and watch that and relive it. That's for us. You know, I just put it online because there's nothing in there someone else can't see. If it happens to do well, it does well. If it doesn't, no sweat. You know, I do enjoy it. I mean, I'm here filming for free because I enjoy it. These guys are going to build a sweet dirt bike. 
I want to capture every moment of that because it's in my head it's made and I want to I want to execute that idea now what was the point that you were holding oh the addiction part of social media so if you're going to be addicted to it like I said don't be addicted to the scrolling part because that ruins evenings at family functions if I'm if I'm on Instagram or social media everyone around me knows like I'm I'm not scrolling like it is a quick I got to get this out there done I might check it just to see whether or not that makes my mental health that great that you know if it's something that I'm super into I'm like God, this being hidden then I'm probably that's bad it's honestly bad for me I'm probably a little irritated and you can to some degree sense that if it really means something to me more often than not it doesn't you know I like I said I understand where I'm at I'm gonna be hidden in the internet as soon as I post something doesn't matter how much money I put into it it's how much money you you spend to promote it that's what they want so really if anyone's listening just put a bunch of money behind something crappy and it'll get seen right <laughs> that's how it goes right <laughs> um I didn't even ask you before how did you get connected with Maxis so I shot with Thomas Brown who was a uh, uh, he re- has since retired, races, raced ATV motocross professionally. Maxis uh, sponsored him. They were a title sponsor of his race program. And in about 2014 or 15, Chris uh, approached me about filming some tires that he was running on his ATV. So then Chris liked my stuff. I like Chris. He's a good guy. He's funny. And um, I, like I said, I like to stay, I try to stay consistent with what he has me do for whether it be dirt bikes or ATVs or side-by-sides, which um, side-by-sides are pretty much golf carts on crack. That's what I'm mostly into now. They're four-wheeled chaos machines. They're awesome. Um, a lot of guys are moving to those, but Maxis makes a ton of tires for them. And uh, between me and my friends and family, we have a ton of side-by-side units that all we, we ride rock, sand, mud, uh, dirt, obviously. So they make a tire that fits every one of those needs. And if he needs um, some particular content, he knows who exactly to come to. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, Chris is a good guy. He is funny. Uh, he's made me had some good chuckles on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I meant to ask this before we even started talking about distracted driving, but when you hear distracted driving, what comes to mind? People on their phone. I mean, it irritates me being in my truck when I look over and someone's on their phone and they've been holding me up for four miles because they will not get out of the passing lane. That drives me up the wall. I mean, it does. You know how people don't like guns, and some do? Well, the people that successfully use the guns are trained. I know there's no correct way to drive a vehicle 70 miles an hour without looking at the road in front of you. There's just no good way to do that. But training people to drive better in stressful circumstances is a major step in the right direction. Because right now, I hear people are afraid to drive in the rain. There should be no reason why anyone's afraid to drive in the rain. It is 2022. Pull your head out of your ass, put both hands on the wheel, and get the job done. Quit playing on your phone, quit dealing with the music, the 12-inch touchscreen. Put your head straight and just drive drive accordingly. If you can't, stay home. I, I just I don't know what to tell those people. It's about to snow here. The streets will look like the scene of Walking Dead. People will just get out of their cars because they slid off the road because they don't compensate. Just like they don't compensate with traffic, bikes, street bikes, whatever. Side-by-sides are legal now here. You can ride them on the road. Um, 
I don't know how I feel about that because you can jump highways with those. So those get a little gnarlier. But, you know, at the end of the day, safety classes, I mean, what have you, have you been able to reach anybody and what has that looked like? What do you mean? Like if someone's been driving and texting, have you gotten them to quit? Um, I, like while I'm driving, I've like, I, I honk at people sometimes and people who, like if I'm stopped at a red light and someone's on their phone, I'll like toot at them and like tell them to get off their phone. Yeah. Sometimes they get angry. Sometimes they don't. Um, I was right on the first day of this trip. I was about to go over the George Washington Bridge and got a woman to get off her phone. She was just holding it while she was driving, and I was like, "You are gonna." You I got... see it every day. Yeah, it's. And they're in. They're deep into it. I mean, it's. I mean, there's people who use both hands yeah. and like use their f- like fists to steer while they're. If I can see from the back view, and you're 20 feet in front of me. 30 feet in front of me and I can see through your rear window the side profile of this downward like this then I know you're you're it's so obvious texting and driving because it's like this and then yeah 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 right um yeah just to wrap up what um if if there's one one lesson that you'd like people to take away from uh our conversation in this video what would that be spend more time testing your abilities on four wheels in places where people are not riding a bicycle or in street legal driving mode. If you really want to find out what it's like to crash a vehicle, go do it in a field by yourself. Don't do it around <laughs> bikes in public. Also, would it be would it be so hard to have people go back to driving school? <laughs> uh, probably. That probably taxes would go uh, be doubled. Well, they'd be put to use. Yeah, right. No, exactly. I think it I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um and what is uh the one thing in your life where you are the happiest? How like what is that what what does that look like? Making videos and riding, man. Like just be- So literally <laughs> your job. Oh, all the Beatles. Dude, that's two um ladybugs that have landed on me in this interview. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think I get my most enjoyment out of using my brain and trying to make a cool idea come from nothing, you know? And, um, I think that if I can pull something together out of thin air, I'll give you a great example in Tulsa about a month ago, um, arena cross, AMA arena cross does indoor dirt bike racing and I'll finish before he gets back. They hit me up with about two sentences of an idea. I took it, ran with it, and with four cameras by myself and four hours in downtown Tulsa, managed to put a coherent story together that every person, investor and all, were so excited about they couldn't wait to post it. That's what I enjoy doing. I like being able to come up with something from nothing and have it be a success by myself because um, I think that just being able to do something on your own is rare nowadays and get it done. You always got to call someone. You always do I have to do that. I have to call someone to help me fix this, that, but not video, man. I got that all by myself. I could do it. I don't need to ask anybody for help short of needing a rider or a subject to shoot. I can do that by myself too. You know, um, especially with my family and friends that ride when we go on the weekend and go ride, there's nothing better than having one of these GoPros hanging out the side of my Polaris Razor, filming my brother, going up some rocks, handing the camera over to my buddy, because the GoPros are so easy to use, they, you know, they don't shake, have him filming me going up this hill, 
going home tired as hell that night for the me to go to bed at midnight having edited together the first half of something go to work that next day come back home work till midnight the next night to finish it you know and even if i don't watch it again for three months right i, I enjoyed going frame by frame slowing this down speeding this up because there's certain shots that weekend that i mark down in my head i'm like oh that will be that i'm excited to see what that looks like and when i'm talking to you here I'm thinking of what I'm shoot, what I'm putting together back here. You know, whether it's you or my buddies camping or whatever. After that day, I'm thinking I'm I'm engaged in the conversation. I have an octopus brain. I have eight parts. I can use it all. You know, I can talk to you. <laughs> I can think of this and that. So yeah, I, that's probably my mom in me. But yeah, I can. That's the best. That's to me is just end all be all. That's awesome. Um, well, I love hearing that. And last thing to wrap up, Blake. Can I get you to promise? to drive distraction-free and to spread the word about the importance of it. I promise to drive distraction-free and I will spread the good word. Thank you, Blake. You bet. Thanks, Thanks for your for time. Me, ben. Yeah. This is awesome. Great to meet you. You too, man. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Blake Shipman. Check out some of his videos. He has a, a pretty interesting style and definitely unique. And I just love how he puts his personality into the products that he puts out on his platforms, whether it's for personal enjoyment or for his professional uh, contracted work. So Blake Shipman, we are coming down to the home stretch of the Eyes Up Life series, and I'm so glad that you've been along the ride with me for so long. For me, it's flown by. I can't believe that the year is about two-thirds done at this point. And we have four more episodes to go. In two weeks, we'll have George Hamill on the show. George has a wild story, and I think I'll leave it at that. But he survived several horrible crashes doing something that he loves, doing the sport that he loves, and is fortunately still around to share the stories of what happened to him. And that's exactly what he does for the first half of our conversation. So George Hamill, coming up in two weeks, make sure you subscribe to the Eyes Up Life podcast so you don't miss that conversation with George. Check out the video with Blake that came out just a couple days ago. Subscribe to Maxis Tires on YouTube, follow Eyes Up Ride on Instagram, and I look forward to speaking to you in just two short weeks, everyone. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Make sure you turn on driving focus. If you don't know how to do that, check out eyesupride.com slash resources. Every phone can do it. It's a simple way to eliminate notifications and those pesky distractions that can take your eyes off the road and potentially hurt your own life or someone else's. Let's save lives, people. Turn on driving focus. It's a simple no-brainer. Step one in the right direction. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Have a good day. Bye-bye.